Trust you found your place in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse number 1. The Bible says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God, of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, and though, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If we transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege to be gathered in your house today. We thank you for ministering to hearts through the music and the message of the songs. And as these were sung, dear Lord, I pray that hearts have been prepared for your word. We thank you for your word. And the strength that we can find in it, the guidance, the direction, the chastisement we needed, the challenge. I pray that you would use it in a mighty way in this service to speak to each and every heart. I pray that you would give me precisely what you would have me to say. I pray that you would cleanse me of sin and to me of self, fill me with the precious Holy Spirit. And I pray that if there's someone here today who does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, that that one would put their faith and trust and confidence in you, recognizing that Jesus never fails. I pray for every believer that each one would be challenged to, be t to take a closer walk with you. Take full control, have your divine way, and we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for what you will do through your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You will be seated. This time of year is normally... Uh, tense time for many people because it is the 
closing or close to the end of the traditional school year. And so it's a time when many people, especially our young people, but not limited to them, they are taking tests, exams, to assess where their level of understanding and performance ranks in various subjects. And so this time of year is generally a time of examination, a time of assessment. And when it's all said and done, based on the results of these assessments, some will be excited, some will be happy, some will be sad, some will be disappointed maybe at the results, some might not care either way. No, I'm not predicting anything on behalf of our young people. I just want to generally speak as it relates to that. I'm not predicting what your response might be. But suffice it to say, there is often so much pressure as these tests are taken because it is felt that so much is linked to what these results are. Whether it is that it would result in personal disappointment, disappointing my family, my teachers. Maybe it impacts my ability to get a good job or a career promotion and opportunities for additional pay. Whatever it is, there is pressure associated with sitting these exams. Now, I, of course, I understand because I've taken many exams throughout my lifetime. And the reality is that tests, that they are assessments of really where we are regarding that subject or that course of study. But what's important to understand that is that without an assessment, without a test of some sort, we would not know where we stand. In other words, while the assessment reveals the reality of where we are, it does not change the reality of where we are. Whether or not the test is done, the truth of where the test taker is in their ability or competence remains the same. In other words, without an assessment, we can be unaware of our level of competence or where we stand. I've been preaching on a series I've entitled How to Test Your Love for God. How to test your love for God. We test a variety of different things, but why is it important to test how much we love God? Well, my friend, this is our most important responsibility. In Matthew chapter 22, we have seen that this lawyer approaches Jesus and he asks him this question. He asks him, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus responds to him and he says to him, uh, listen, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. 
He then proceeds to tell him that, listen, this is so important and on it hinges everything else. Your love for other people. And so Jesus clearly points out to this man and by, to us by extension that our most important responsibility is to love the Lord. And so, my friends, if we incorrectly assess ourselves regarding this most important question, we can find ourselves easily failing in pleasing God, failing in honoring God. And the problem is, when it comes to a self-assessment, we oftentimes might judge ourselves a little too lightly. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 2 says, all the ways of a man are what? Clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weareth the spirits. And so if we don't take an objective approach to properly assess where we stand in our love for God, we can tend to grade ourselves easily. We can tend to give ourselves maybe a a passing grade or uh, an excellent grade when maybe indeed and in fact we don't deserve the grade that we would have given ourselves so casually. But my friend, one of these days we will give an account to the Lord regarding our love for him. And so we have been examining a number of criteria to help us And all of us, we need help in this area to properly assess ourselves regarding how much do we love God. We have seen thus far, criteria number one, how much do you speak with him? Do you ever have anything to say to him? Does he speak to you? That's a very important indicator of how much does God matter? How much do you love God? Do you speak with him? Last time we looked at this second question and criteria, if you will, do you sit at his feet? How much do you enjoy his presence? Does it matter that he's there? Does it matter that you sense and feel his presence? How much do you prioritize ensuring that I can sit at his feet? But today I want us to look at a third criteria by way of looking at the, at, at the life of Nehemiah. And the third criteria and question is regarding your love for the Lord, do you serve him? Do you serve him? We see here the life of Nehemiah in, in, in this book of Nehemiah in chapter 1. We notice that Nehemiah, through this book, if you're familiar with the, the story of him, that Nehemiah served the Lord. And I'm going to ask a series of questions, and these questions are by way of helping us to do our own personal assessment of our love for the Lord. 
And we'll see how this played out in the life of Nehemiah as it relates to his service for the Lord. And so the first question I want you to jot down is, do you have a burden to see God's work done? Do you have a burden to see God's work done? Now, in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse number 4, you would notice, just by way of background to this verse, that Nehemiah was living in the palace. They were in heathen land. God, by way of judgment, has, had, 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 had caused them to be taken captivity from their homeland of Israel and from the city of Jerusalem, and they were now in captivity. Jerusalem, the walls had been broken down. Jerusalem, the city had been burned. And Nehemiah gets word from Hanani. The Bible says in verse 2, one of his brethren and came and told him of the dire situation of the city of Jerusalem. And I want you to notice the burden that Nehemiah had because a number of them had been released from captivity to get back to Jerusalem, but Jerusalem was still in a broken down state. And the Bible says in verse number 4, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now understand that Nehemiah is living in the palace as the king's cupbearer. He could have had an attitude. Listen, I'm living the good life. I got no worries. I'm okay. But Nehemiah rather had a burden for the things of God, for the work of God, and for the people of God. My friend, an important test of one's love for the Lord is do you have a burden to see his work done? Simply put, do you care? Or do you have a mindset? I really couldn't care less. The answer to those questions, my friend, they, they indicate or they say something about your love for the Lord. The reason for a burden is an indicator that because I have a burden, that my heart is engaged. Caring is a heart matter. We care because we love. We love because we care. I don't believe I have to convince you much that we care about the things that matter to us. We care about the people that matter to us. We care about the places that matter to us. Now, for example... You may say, Pastor, I'm not a sports fan. I don't care about sports. Those matter to me. That's not one of my interests. But I would challenge you 
And I would suggest that if you had a family member participating in a sporting event, you had a, a fellow citizen who was participating in the, in, in the Olympics, all of a sudden, guess what? You now care. The tragedies that take place in different parts of the world. When we observe these tragedies, we look at the news with some sympathy and we say, oh my, that's sad. When we heard of COVID-19 in Wuhan, we looked on and we were, I'm sure, sympathetic to their situation. But it was a totally different feeling when it hit our shores. Why? Because it now got closer to home. It impacted the people we love. It impacted the land that we love. We love the things that we care about. People, generally speaking, are passionate about politics. Sometimes we might say, oh, you know, I don't care about politics. But you know the truth is, we do care. The reason why we care is because inwardly we feel that the results uh, that, 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 we, that take place as a result affect our lives. And so people are burdened about who's going to win the next election. People are burdened about whether the land that we love will benefit the, by the decisions that are made. My friend, I'm simply suggesting uh, to us that when it comes to what we care about, it will impact us. Because we love. When you love something, you will develop and have a burden for it. When, 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 when God's work is hindered because of sin, my friend, do you care? When God's people don't do their jobs in the work of God to represent him as salt and light, my friend, do you care? When God's work is negatively impacted by the enemy, do you care? Does it matter? Is there a burden? My friend, the answer to that question is an indication of one's love for the Lord. The Bible says, Nehemiah, when he heard this news, he sat down and he wept. As it relates to serving God, do you have a burden to see his work done? The second question I want you to jot down and to ponder is this. Are you willing to adjust your plans to serve the Lord? Are you willing to adjust your plans to serve the Lord? Now in chapter 1, Nehemiah demonstrates the clear burden that he had because the work of God was not progressing. The enemies were making mockery of the things of God. But in verse number 
1 of chapter 2, the Bible says, And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. No, I had not been before time sat in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad? Seeing thou art not sick, this is then nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very so afraid. Then and said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city or the place of my father's sepulchers lieth waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, for what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said unto the king, if it please the king, if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may what? Build it. No, here is Nehemiah in the palace. I mean, he is doing well. He has no worries of his own personally. But he gets this news and he has a burden and he determines, listen, I got to adjust my plans to do something about this situation. He had plans in place. He had objectives. He had goals. But because of his love for the Lord, he changed them, my friend. Why? Because of his desire to serve the Lord he loved. He couldn't serve in the capacity that he wanted to staying where he was. And so he said to, uh, to himself, listen, I have to get on the ground. I have to change my location. My friends, what, what plans do you have? What, what plans have you made? Are you willing to adjust or to change your plans because of your burning desire to serve the Lord? Have you decided? My plans are unchangeable. Have you decided there is absolutely no way I can adjust? Have you decided, I can't give up this time on a Saturday or a Sunday, a Monday or Tuesday to join this ministry? I can't, under any circumstances, get up on a Sunday morning to be in the house of the Lord, to attend Sunday school, to, to learn the word of God. No, there is no way I'm adjusting that plan. I got my routine for years. I just don't get up and I don't go to church on Wednesday night. Listen, there is no way I'm adjusting that plan. Are you willing to adjust your plans to serve the Lord in a greater capacity? My friend, Nehemiah completely changed course because of his love for the Lord and his burning desire to serve him. Are you willing to adjust your plan? Notice this third question. Do you actually serve him? No, the, the two preceding questions were thoughts were burdens of the heart. 
My friend, at some point, a burden and a thought must be translated to actual action. One of these days, sometime soon, I'm thinking about it. Eventually, it ought to translate to doing. And so the question is, do you serve him? Notice with me in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse number 15, what the Bible says, uh, Nehemiah was sincere about his burden. He was sincere about his decision because in verse number 15, the Bible says, and it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us and God had brought their counsel to naught that we returned all of us to the wall everyone unto his what work my friend serving god involves work amen Chapter 4, we understand that, that they were under attack and uh, Sanballat and the, the enemies of God made mockery of them. But they did not let that dissuade them. They put their hands to the work of God. And my friend, I'm not in any way trying to be demeaning or to be degrading. But I'm simply asking these questions for us to personally assess ourselves regarding our love for the Lord. And my question is, are you doing anything in the work of God? Are you actively serving God? It involves doing. And my friend, make no mistake about it, there is much work to be done. But working for God requires a willingness, get this, to do what needs to be done. Oftentimes, our minds very easily attach itself to excuses. You realize that? We love to take ourselves off the hook. It's a natural human tendency. But when I say that there is much work to be done and requires a willingness, I'm simply saying that, my friend, if you have a desire to serve the Lord and to work for him, there is work available that you can do. You know what the problem is sometimes? I don't want to do that. You are not giving me or allowing me to do what it is I want to do. But there is an abundance of work in the master's vineyard. And my friend, let me give you a little tip. And I've learned this from experience. If you are on a job, newly hired, whether newly hired, but especially if you're newly hired, no matter what your job description, 
No matter what your resume says, no matter what your requirements and your, all of your degrees and the letters behind your name and your accomplishments and qualifications, one of the best ways to ensure that you are an employee that has uh, good credibility and you're an employee that will be utilized by that job. Listen, when you get on the job, do what needs to be done. Make yourself useful. That's the great way to ensure job security. Don't get any job. No, I don't do that. I don't do that. Listen, find out how to get it done and do it. When the time comes for them to, to, to lay off, they're going to say, no, not her, not him. They're too useful to this company. They got too many things that they do well. You cannot release them. When it comes to the work of God, find out what needs to get done and do it. We got to too picky. No, I, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. I only do this and I only do that. Serve the Lord. Amen. Do you serve him? But notice question number four. Do you enjoy doing work for him? Now it's one thing to serve the Lord. It's one thing to serve. It's one thing to do. But some people serve the Lord with a sour face. A sour attitude. Boy, I'm serving the Lord, but this is like sucking lemons. I wish I was serving somebody else. But since they say I need to serve him, let me go ahead and do it. No, do you enjoy serving the Lord? My friend, that's an indicator of whether you really love the Lord. And if your wife is complaining about the fact that you never bring her any flowers, you never bring her any chocolate, and then you go to the store and you grieve in your heart to pick up the flowers, and then you come home with a, with a tear in your eye and a sour face, you're always complaining about the flowers. Here, here, stop complaining now. You think it's going to be well received? You think she's going to be convinced of your deep and abiding love? My friend, do you enjoy serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Look at Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse number 6. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to what? To work. Listen, people don't have a mind to work who don't enjoy what they're doing. Listen, it's so important to love the work of God because my friend, you have to love it to stick with it. You have to love it to stay in it because sometimes it's going to get difficult. Sometimes it's going to get tiresome. Sometimes it's going to get discouraging. And if you don't love it, you're going to hightail. You're going to be gone. Physically speaking, sometimes we get tired. That's a result of being human. But you can be tired in the work. 
but don't get tired of the work. Listen, don't think that every single day the pastor wants to get up and preach to people. Don't think that every day of living the Christian life is peaches and cream. Nehemiah encountered some serious difficulties in dealing with people. My friend, people equal problems. By the way, by the way, by the way, just in case you think I'm pointing fingers, I'm a person. I got problems. We have problems. If you're going to deal with people in the work of God or anywhere, you will encounter problems. Don't be shocked. But what keeps you going is I'm engaged in the work of the Lord of heaven. And I can't be engaged in his work without being involved with people. I mean, if you're not going to deal with people, by the way, some people are unrealistic when it comes to the work of God, you know. Because as much as we say people got problems, they still go to work and deal with the same people. They will not stop working. And they're not working by themselves, they're working with a bunch of people, but no matter how they cause them grief, they go back every day. And work over time. So don't come to church and talk about them people down there. We got people everywhere. You can't live on this earth and don't deal with people. And by the way, when you're thinking about people, look in the mirror. You are a people too. Bad grammar and all. So we got to deal with ourselves. So we might as well have some grace and deal with other people. People have problems on the job. People have problems at home. People have problems in the country. They don't run away and hide and go somewhere else. There is no perfect place, my friend. Are you willing to do what is needed to make it better? Do you enjoy working for him? My friend, when our focus is on him, we can enjoy what we are doing. Too many times we are, we are focused on what they, their response is and how did they act. Focus on him. He is the one giving the reward. He is the one who we are to love. When we love him more, we are going to get to love the same messed up people. And then think about it. We are messed up as well. We are all in the same category. So we can easily love people, my friend. You love others as you love yourself. If you can put up with yourself, put up with people. We all got the same problems. Do you enjoy working for him? But finally, the fifth question. Do you rejoice when his kingdom advances? 
Do you celebrate? Does it do something to your heart? The children of Israel celebrated. They rejoiced over what was accomplished when the walls that had been hitherto broken down, been broken down, my friend, they were built. Look at Nehemiah chapter 12 and verse 27. Nehemiah chapter 12 and verse 27. And we'll close with this. It says, and at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and with singing and with cymbals and psalteries and with heart. My friend, when the work of God uh, was, was accomplished, when the work of God was furthered, people got excited. It got up, they got a pep in their step. When you come to church and listen, people are encouraging the Lord. Listen, and people are saved and baptized and added to the church. Listen, do you go home excited about what God did? Oh, is it? No big deal. That's a hard matter. Do you love God? I can't answer that question for you. We must answer that question for ourselves. Let's do some self-assessment. Because the answer to that question, my friend, is critical. The answer to that question determines what your motive is for doing what you do. Whether the motive is right or whether the motive is wrong. And I trust that as we answer these questions that are Hearts, minds will be honest before God. And that whatever the assessment reveals, that the assessment would result in us taking action and asking God, God, help me to love you more. Wherever I am, Help my love for you to grow. Whatever it is the assessment reveals, understand very clearly that the assessment is just revealing. It does not change the reality of the result. So whether you take the test or not, the state is the same. And as you get the results, are you willing to take and make an adjustment? Do you love God? How much do you love God?
Are you content with the results? Our responsibility is to love him more and more each day. And I can say very confidently that no matter where you are in your love for the Lord, there is more to go. There is progress to be made. We can never plateau in our love for this Lord. He says, love the Lord your God, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And on that hinges our love for people. Do you love the Lord?